From the MGMA in-home studios, welcome to the Insights Podcast. I'm Daniel Williams. Often we can look at EHR data to say, who are the users that are really going to benefit from DAX? And it's those who are spending pajama time on their documentation. It's those who are writing really detailed notes who really want to make sure and capture the patient's story so that next time they see them, they can, you know, really recall what's going on. That's Dr. Jared Pello, Chief Clinical Product Officer at Nuance Healthcare, talking about the benefits of using artificial intelligence in the healthcare space. We'll hear more from Dr. Pello in just a moment, but first a word from our sponsors. As the second largest expense for most businesses, employee benefits costs impact the financial health of your organization. Gain a competitive advantage by joining MGMA Benefits Plus for a forward-thinking webinar that addresses cost containment strategies in employee benefits. The free webinar is Tuesday, June 28th. Go to mgma.com slash events to register today. Breast cancer will impact one in eight women. The best way to decrease mortality in breast cancer is early detection. Onsite Women's Health provides healthcare practices and providers with the ability to bring screening mammography in-house. Partnering with Onsite allows more women to keep up with their annual screening and gives anyone impacted by breast cancer a fighting chance. Learn more at OnSiteWomen'sHealth.com. Our guest today is Dr. Jared Pello, Chief Clinical Product Officer at Nuance Healthcare. Dr. Pello is here to talk about the intersection of physicians and patients and how artificial intelligence can improve in that communication. Well, Dr. Pello, thanks again for joining us on the MGMA Insights Podcast. Thanks for having me, Dan. Always a pleasure. Sure. So you have become uh, somewhat of a regular contributor here on the podcast, and we check in with you every every uh, few months or so. So uh, it looks like looking at our records, we had you on the show about six months or ago, where has your focus been during that time? Where have you been, uh, I guess, directing your attention? Yeah, I mean, it's been a fascinating last six months. Of course, our acquisition by Microsoft actually occurred um, in you know early spring. And so that's been a big deal for us as we kind of become part of the biggest software company in the world. And and the ability to tap into the resources that we have there. It's really exciting for us. I think um, while that transition has been very, very smooth up to this point, um, we've just barely started to be able to see what the outcomes are going to be. And I think it's really exciting to think of, you know, the leader, one of the, one of the leaders in the world of overall AI teaming up with the leader in medical AI of nuance. And um, so my focus has continued to be on how can we automate tasks for providers, for physicians at this point, 
And how can we make it so they can spend more time with their patients, less time worrying about their computer. And um, the great thing about healthcare is there is not a paucity of problems to solve. There are, <laughs> once you fix one, you've always got another waiting for you. Okay. Well, congratulations then. I mean, that is a huge, huge uh, acquisition and I mean, a huge opportunity for you guys uh, because Microsoft, as we know, I mean, I'm talking to you through a Surface computer right now. So we're fully embedded in the uh, Microsoft products. Let me just ask you then, I know you're branded with Nuance. It's so identifiable any name changes, any kind of change in that regard, or will you guys just keep doing business as usual under the Microsoft umbrella? For now, what I know is that we'll just continue to be nuanced and um, continue to deliver all of our suite of Dragon and PowerScribe, PowerShare uh, products. Okay, fair enough then. So you mentioned uh, artificial intelligence earlier. That's really going to be the topic of conversation today. Um, you and I have talked about artificial intelligence several times already over the last few years. I kind of want to look into that crystal ball a little bit today. Um, we're going to be talking about the future of artificial intelligence, and we'll also provide some context of what's going on right now in the healthcare field as well. Um, but let's do this. Let's start with a big picture view. Um, it's June of 2022 as we're recording this. What's going on with AI right now in healthcare, just from your vantage point? Uh, AI continues to deliver more and more value um, where I think it's been a promise for so long and you've seen things branded with AI for 10 years. Um, and not that there wasn't AI in there, it was probably just a little bit more rules-based and not deep learning or neural net-based. And, and now what we're seeing with these, the ability to tap into the cloud and, uh, you know, all the GPUs that you can ramp up and build these AI models that are really robust, you're starting to see real value delivered. And I think our product DAX is like a great example of uh, being able to automate a note for a provider and produce that in a matter of seconds after they see their patient is almost a magical experience. And so I think that if I think kind of future, what do, you, what do we see? It's just a continuation of those kind of automatable things. So one of the things that um, the Microsoft CEO talked to developers about recently was AI as a platform. And he brought up DAX as being one of those AI as a platform. So in the future, probably other companies will be able to tap into DAX and use that conversational AI for things they want to. Either, even other competitors of ours probably will be able to tap into it. Um, but then it makes you wonder, what are the other AI models that we need in healthcare? And I mean, up until this point, most chatbots have been rules-based. So if you go through a symptom checker, it's rules-based, it's not AI-driven. I think that's a tremendous opportunity for us to continue to push true AI into, you know, how do you check symptoms with the patient? How do you engage with the patient? 
And, uh, and then clinical decision support has been very rules-based. You know, I put an order in and then that triggers a clinical decision support. But what if I want that clinical decision support while I'm having my conversation with the patient? And I mentioned a couple of key data points that trigger it. And so those are the kind of AI models that I think will continue to see rolled out as greater and greater intelligence just built into the workflow of the provider. Yeah, that brings up a question. You mentioned that term deep learning. Anybody that's read a little bit about AI is somewhat familiar with that, but wanted to get it from your perspective. What, what's going on with deep learning right now? And then it's, again, as we turn that lens outward into the future, what can deep learning mean down the road as well? Yeah, I mean, so I'm not a I'm not an AI researcher or scientist, <laughs> but I'll give you my my layman's uh, explanation of how I understand deep learning. So, deep learning always needs a data set to learn off of, and for DAX, for example, we have this data set of millions of recordings and millions of final notes, and so then the AI is able to do uh, what we call parameter learning. So it's able to take little bits of that data and learn off of those bits. And those parameters are usually kind of like fill in the blank. So maybe the AI will take a sentence and take a couple uh, blanks in there and then make predictions on what would be the words in those blanks. And, and then it'll run again and again. And each time it runs, that's called a parameter. And uh, our model, for example, I, I can't remember the number, billions of parameters. So it has billions of cycles of learning built into our model. And there are even larger models with uh, many, many more pyramidal, parameters in learning, kind of like the OpenAI GPT-3 natural language generation model. Um, and Microsoft and Google and Amazon, they're all kind of ramping up these giant AI models that are, are learning how to take data and make sense of it. And so um, that's kind of the basis for, you know, the AI learning, the deep learning is just little bits and pieces of information that it learns on again and again and gets better and better predicting the outcome. What is the right answer? Um, so that's my very lay person explanation. There's a lot more when I talk to my AI researchers, they talk about penalizing the model and all sorts of other things that I have no idea exactly what they're saying other than the model gets smarter and smarter because of the, the tweaks they make. Okay, well, we'll revisit uh, the future of AI here um, later in the show, but Let's talk in the here and now then. So there's some real tangible things that AI is doing in helping providers. One of those is with burnout and administrative burdens. Walk us through that. What's happening? What are you hearing either from your own body and your own mental state as you're working with DAX or from the many uh, clinicians that you talk to who have utilized it and gone, wow, I've seen a difference here. So what's happening there? Yeah, well, so when we when we went live with DAX after about six months in 2020, we probably had about 500 uh, clinicians using DAX. Now we have several thousand clinicians using DAX. And so our question really was, as we scale, as we go from 
kind of this small subset of users that we we kind of handpicked um, as we scale. Would we continue to see the outcomes that we were seeing? And we we're seeing these great outcomes, you know, saving seven minutes per patient and seventy percent reduction in burnout, and you know, eighty percent of patients saying that their visit with their clinician was much better than the time before when they weren't using DACs. And, and so what's been really rewarding is to see that, yes, those outcomes have absolutely scaled. And each day as we go live with more and more clinicians, we continue to get this feedback of, you know, this is the most transformational technology I've seen in my career, or uh, I will never practice without this technology again, which I truly believe five years from now, every doctor will say, I'm not going to practice without some sort of ambient technology doing doing the administrative things for me. Okay. Now that gets to my next question then. I was going to ask you about physician satisfaction. You all already gave us a little bit of a peek there, but when you're doing those evaluations, when you're doing surveys with clinicians who are using uh, AI, using DAX, um, what's something you can tell us? Maybe something qualitative. Maybe they've given you some feedback. Maybe they're just able to go enjoy the family at night now rather than uh, doing the uh, going over their notes all night. But uh, what, what's something, uh, a little nugget there you can share with us? Yeah, I mean, nine out of 10 providers recommend DAX. If they're using it, they say, you know, everybody should use this. Um, the, the one thing I'll be completely honest about is it's not for everybody. Okay. I, I, I think it's like any tool. There is the right tool for the right person at the right time. You know, if I see a really quick follow-up patient or if I have an annual wellness visit that I have to fill out a ton of uh, data points in the EHR, then probably me clicking and pointing through those data points is what I need to do. If I have a rich history to capture, uh, then I want to use DAX. And we even see power users of some EHRs that say, you know what, I don't mind templated text. I don't mind that nobody can read my notes and they can do their notes in 20 seconds. Mm -hmm. And for them, they don't see that big ROI. Um, and so that's been actually part, big part of our work is identifying and often we can look at EHR data to say, who are the users that are really gonna benefit from DAX. And it's those who are spending pajama time on their documentation. It's those who are writing really detailed notes who really want to make sure and capture the patient's story so that next time they see them, they can, you know, really recall what's going on. Um, and so, uh, yeah, that's kind of what I'd say. Nine out of 10 who use us, love us, but there are a subset that it's, it's not going to be right for. Yeah, and is that based more on the individual versus the specialty? Is that nine out of 10? Is that regardless of whether you're a GP or a certain specialty you're in versus just how you work and you've gotten these work habits and processes like you were talking about where there's some clinicians that they've mastered the EHR, they're a power user, they're fine, they don't need uh, an additional layer or any other technology. Uh, so give us an insight there. Yeah, um, I think of it as clinician-specific rather than okay. uh, specialty-specific. I mean, we'll run into physicians that say, I don't want to look at my patient. And I can't, 
I can't fix a problem that they don't want to fix. So <laughs> if, if they want to look at their computer and not look at their patient, then that's okay. Um, that's their choice. But you run into some of these clinicians that say, you know, I don't want to talk more to my patient. I don't want to explain more. And they have their reasons. It might be that there's complicated things that they don't want to go deeper on with their patient. And sometimes it's personality based. And, and to me, um, it's a little bit of the 80-20 rule. Uh, meaning DAX really does solve the problem for 80% of clinicians. Um, but there's 20% that they're like, you know what, that's just not for me. Um, and I think it really is provider personality specific more than anything else. Okay. Well, turning that lens around then to the patient, we've talked about this before, but we may have new listeners. We may, you may have new information for us, but what is it, you know, looking at this from the patient's experience, where's the benefit? How does it help them? Yeah. So uh, the numbers really haven't changed on our patient data continues to be right around 80% of patients saying that their providers are more focused on them, spending less time on their computer. Um, but it's the anecdotal stories that I love hearing about patients just saying, you know what, my doctor really explained what's going on this time, where usually they just tell me a couple little things that they're going to tweak, but they don't tell me their thought process. And because DAX can't capture your inner thoughts, you really have to speak them out loud as a clinician. As the clinician speaks those out loud, the patients really enjoy that. And it makes sense. Doctors are constantly thinking, when I'm seeing a patient, I'm taking down their physical appearance. There are all sorts of things that are happening in my brain. And to have that insight as a patient, like, oh, my doctor's thinking a lot about me. Um, I think that's really beneficial for, for that doctor-patient relationship also for the patient feeling like that doctor is much more invested. Okay. Um, we've talked about this before as well, but do you have a case study? I know you have plenty, but do you have one you want to focus on today to just share with us what AI looks like in practice? Yeah. Um, hmm. Yeah. I mean, what AI looks like in practice, I'll... Uh, I try not to talk too much about kind of the future things that we're testing. We've talked, we've, I think we've talked a little bit about our early testing where we're delivering AI directly to the physicians. So just real quick recap for those who might not know. Today, the AI gets generated. It goes through a quality review process before it goes into your EHR. Now that does have a turnaround time. It depends on your clinic. Uh, on how long that turnaround time is. But there is this desire by some clinicians to just get the AI draft note and do it themselves. And so we've been testing for about six months now with AI directly to physicians. And it's been fascinating. I mean, I would say uh, across the board, and we give the choice to the provider, do you want to send this to review or do you want to own this and edit it yourself? And it's over 50% of the time they take it themselves. They say, you know what, this looks good. I'm just going to edit it myself. Um, and we've even had some providers who say, I never want to send it through quality review again. Every time I just want to edit it because I close my note within seconds after, after seeing the patient. Um, and I'll be completely honest, there are another subset who say, my time is too valuable, 20 seconds is too much. 
And I wanted to go to review every time. Um, and so it's been fascinating to kind of understand that better. And as we expand that, I'm sure that the market will teach us all sorts of lessons about kind of provider preferences and, and what they're willing to tolerate from the AI. So a follow-up question on that then, when you say, you know, go to that review side of it, is that just a layer that you guys provide? It's, it's, so it's not a, a compliance issue where they're needed to do that? Or is it something you so, offer them? So they, it has to be edited by a person. Okay. Right? And uh, that can be the physician or that can be a quality documentation specialist followed by a physician. The physician always has to do some final review and sign on. Okay. And so it's really taking that quality documentation specialist and putting the physician in that seat. And which, you know, it makes a lot of sense because for a quality documentation specialist, they actually listen to the whole recording to get the context. That physician just had that full conversation. They know the context. So they can review that note really quickly, um, at least if they're willing to, right? <laughs> <laughs> and, and that's the thing, as we think about, um, as we think about future, one thing we don't wanna do is add to any documentation that's not more accurate. Meaning we don't wanna give notes to providers and clinicians if they're not gonna spend the time reviewing it. Um, so you can almost imagine, we haven't run into this yet, but you can almost imagine us having a parameter where a clinician signs it every time and doesn't edit it. Well, that's a clinician we'd turn the AI off for. Like, we're not going to let them put their patients at risk and themselves at risk by not taking the time to, to edit the note. So there are these certain kind of things you have to take into account as you're working with AI. I think it's going to I don't know that the day will ever come where we'll trust AI implicitly and not have a human review. And, and so I think that's important to keep in mind. Okay. As a final thought then, I know we talked about this a little bit, but again, if you get the crystal ball out and you look at it, where do you see AI in healthcare trending over the next five to 10 years? I know you're steeped in DAX, but I'm sure you're looking at market, uh, technologies out there as well. What's going on with healthcare? What can patients and providers expect over these next five to 10 years? I think we're going to get to the era of truly personalized healthcare for patients. We're going to get to the era where the clinician has better data. Uh, we already have too much data. It's just not organized well for me as I walk into that patient encounter. And, and so, and then extended intelligence of the provider you know, that, that AI really extending what I'm able to do, what I'm able to know, and allowing me to provide better healthcare than I've ever provided before. And I think it's a really exciting era that we're moving into. All right. Well, Dr. Pello, it's always exciting uh, having you on the show. We'll have to get you back here in a few months or so, see what else is going on, what, what else you guys are working on. So thank you so much. You bet, Dan. Thanks for having me. Well, that's going to do it for this episode of Insights. Thanks to our guest, Dr. Jared Pello, Chief Clinical Product Officer at Nuance Healthcare. We also want to thank Onsite Women's Health and MGMA Events for sponsoring this week's show. As the second largest expense for most businesses, 
employee benefits, costs, impact the financial health of your organization. Gain a competitive advantage by joining MGMA Benefits Plus for a forward-thinking webinar that addresses cost containment strategies in employee benefits. The free webinar is Tuesday, June 28th. Go to mgma.com slash events to register today. Breast cancer will impact one in eight women. On-site women's health provides healthcare practices and providers with the ability to bring screening mammography in-house. Partnering with OnSite allows more women to keep up with their annual screening and gives anyone impacted by breast cancer a fighting chance. Learn more at onsitewomenshealth.com. If you like the show, please rate and review it wherever you get your podcast. And to access all of our podcasts, go to mgma.com slash listen. And if you want to add to the conversation or suggest experts for us to interview, email us at podcast at mgma.com. Or you can find me on Twitter at MGMA Daniel. Stay safe and thanks for listening. Hi, this is Declan McGee, one of the producers for the MGMA Insights Podcast. If you like the work we're doing, please consider becoming an MGMA member. Learn more at mgma.com slash membership. Thanks.